maybe Adobe Max was it. I just had to take the bullet because I was like, how can I miss this opportunity? This could change my life. Everything felt like it was coming down on me, like I don't know what I'm doing. I've got a team. I hired a senior. I was like, I can't have a senior designer on my team. I feel like I'm barely a senior. I've been told that I don't charge enough. As soon as I started my business, I was like, what do I charge? And he said, you can charge $100 an hour, Christy. Even the next steps of you know getting bigger clients, it's all in my mind. I can't do this, I can't do this. Why can't you do it? Like, what's really stopping you? What advice would you have for people out there who have got a successful design agency but are struggling to do things like public speaking, putting content out on social media? I would say... Welcome to another episode of the Creative Courage Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Essam. Today, we're sitting down with Christy Campbell, who runs Pink Pony Creative. I met Christy at Adobe Max in Los Angeles, where I saw her speak to a room of about 600 people. And I was really impressed, not only by her presentation skills, but by how relaxed she came across on stage. Now, I later found out that she didn't really have lots of public speaking experience. So I knew I had to invite her on my podcast and find out what her secret was. In this episode, we reveal something really cool. It's kind of a subconscious pattern that Christy has had throughout her life, which enables her to achieve some really amazing things, such as building a successful creative studio, growing her Instagram followers to over 200,000, and getting invited to speak at these big conferences like Adobe Max. I am so confident that wherever you are in your journey, you're going to get a huge amount of value from this episode. And I know that it's going to be useful for so many people. If you do find it useful, and I'm not lying, then please hit that subscribe button and share it with a friend. Thanks for listening. Christy Kiora, thank you for joining me on the podcast. How are you doing today? Hello, Matt. I'm impressed with that. Good job. (laughs) Even I sometimes don't tackle it. (laughs) So listen, thank you for being a guest on the podcast. And one of the things that made me want to reach out to you and have you as a guest was how confident you were on stage at Adobe Max and how you kind of held the crowd and were super relaxed. And then when I came and spoke to you afterwards, you told me that like you'd never really done that much public speaking in the past. You'd never be formally trained around public speaking. Am I remembering that right? Yes, definitely. So Adobe Max, they invited me to speak in 2022, the first time. And at that point, I had done no public speaking. So it was very new to me. But I was like, I'm not going to not go because I haven't had an experience in this. I'm definitely a just do it kind of gal. And then the second year, obviously, I had more experience under my belt. I knew what was coming with Adobe Max. So I really did ramp it up that second year. I think with speaking too, I feel like if you can go up there with confidence and that you've got that half an hour where people are rolling on and they're kind of casually walking in, if you can start interacting with the crowd, then you like warm yourself up. And I have to say, like, I would describe myself as a bit of an entertainer. I think I was a dancer for many years of my life. I taught kids to dance. I was on stage. So being on stage and having a stage presence actually comes really naturally to me, but speaking on the other hand, didn't. So that was definitely a challenge, but I love public speaking now. I just want to do it more and more. (laughs) That's so interesting because it wasn't a small crowd at Adobe Max, right? I think there was maybe like, if I was just guessing like two, 300 people in that room. I think it was maxed out at 700. 
Wow. It was quite okay. a, I feel like maybe about 600 probably arrive. There was 700 of the max attendees that could come into that room, but I think there would have been around 600, 650 people. I'd okay. rather do it, say it to more than less actually. Yeah, that's interesting. So I'd love to kind of start here, not necessarily just on the public speaking, but on the idea of putting yourself out there, because I had this conversation with Chris and I always love getting different opinions. You not only do a lot of public speaking, but also you have a big Instagram following. And I noticed on your Instagram that you are quite open with the things that you post. It's not all just about design. What goes through your head when you're speaking in front of a crowd, when you're posting something on Instagram to 200,000 followers, what is the narrative that's going in your head that allows you to do that with so much confidence? Honestly, when it comes down to it, I will tell myself, no one really cares that much. They seriously don't in a good way. Like they do care to a point and, but no one really, you know, I can't even put it into words. When you think about other people that you might follow on Instagram or that you might see speaking up there, you you don't often think, oh, what are they doing up there? Like, why are they why are they up there? Are they you know why, why are they posting that video? You're like, oh, cool, they're out there doing it. And I think that's like comes down to a big part of confidence and just understanding that no one actually, everyone is too worried about what they're doing to worry. about that much about someone else. So why not just go out there, just do it, deliver it with confidence, even if you have to fake it, especially that first year of Domex, I completely felt like I was faking it. And during, I kind of stumbled a few times and I was like, oh, it just, in my head, I was like, oh God, I don't even know if that was like said well, but then um, listening back on it, it's fine. You know, it, it think it's always, it's a build up in your head. It's the anxiety in your head that you get before posting something before going on stage. And it's never as bad as it is going to be when you just get it out there. Hmm. Where did you learn that? Where did you first learn the idea that people don't care as much as we worry that they do? I don't know. I actually think a big part of my confidence comes from my story. And I think that a lot of people can find that within themselves as well. You know, for me, when I was a dancer, I had, we're thinking about my whole life story, like so much of my confidence probably came from that. And it came from teaching people to dance because I had to be up there. I had to take control. I had to tell people, oh, you're doing this wrong or you're doing that correctly. And then taking that and and creating choreography for three minutes of like kids who are 13, even boys who are 13. It's it's crazy and they're crazy and you've got to build this confidence. And I think that's where it all stems from. And then taking that on stage, you know, slowly over my years, I've really built this internal confidence and this internal, it really doesn't matter what other people think. I'm just going to do it anyway. Don't get me wrong. I have imposter syndrome basically every day, (laughs) but I just go for it. I don't let that stop me and I don't let that stop my confidence. And how much of that do you think plays into the success of your agency? A huge amount for sure. I think I am getting to a point now where my imposter syndrome does sort of take over a little bit in a way. I don't think no one would really know, but I am getting to a point now I've built my, I've got a small team. I've got a team. There's six of us all together there. I've got a team of five and 
you know, there's a huge part of me that's like, I don't know what I'm doing every day. What I don't know how to run a team. I've never had any form of management skills in my life that I've sort of built up. But thinking about it and thinking about your life, you have done all these little things that have led you to this. And I had a really big, overwhelming feeling of like anxiety. And to be honest, I don't often get anxiety. I kind of, I'm just a go with it person. I don't really look too deep into it. I had an overwhelming experience after Adobe Max with a lot of anxiety because I kind of came back. Everything felt like it was coming down on me. Like, I don't know what I'm doing. I've got a team. I hired a senior. I was like, I can't have a senior designer on my team. I feel like I'm barely a senior, but you've just got to tackle it one step at a time. And you'll get over it. And I talked to my husband about it and he said, you're feeling this way because it's unknown territory. You're feeling those, it's almost growing pains. Think of it as growing pains. And I really liked that because you're in this feeling of, I've never been here before. You're looking around like, oh my God, what am I doing? But it's really just growing pains. And even a couple months in, you'll be surprised how much you've grown and how much you're used to those pains now. Mm, Yeah, I like that. What I find really interesting, I was having this conversation with some clients earlier, is the narrative and the story that we create around these events. And so the reason I asked you, where did you learn that from? Is because I find it so interesting when I'm talking to somebody who's going to go and give a pitch or a presentation and they're feeling really nervous and they come to a coaching session and they're like, I don't know if I can do this and what about, and I unpick that kind of story. It's very, very different to the story that you told about public speaking. And what I thought was mm. interesting was that you said, but then I get imposter syndrome, not around speaking necessarily, but around growing a team. So tell me what's different between that narrative. What was the difference between the thing that you were telling yourself in your head that created that feeling of imposter syndrome versus what you tell yourself about public speaking and, and no one really cares? When I think about the time after Adobe Max and like what really stressed me out, like if I'm coming down to specifics, right? So I had the senior come on board and she's amazing. She's, you know, already doing such great things. And she had worked in a previous agency for five years before Pink Pony Creative. And I had this anxiety that she was going to come on board and almost judge me for my business in a way. In in an unusual sense, you know, I'd I'd known she'd been working for another agency. She'd, She'd done everything their way. They had systems, procedures, they'd worked with clients. I was worried she was going to come in and literally judge me and and sort of think, oh, this girl doesn't know what she's doing. You know, like what's she doing here? Like her systems are out of whack. I felt like my systems were out of whack, which for me is a really big part of business. And I know how important they are, especially when you are growing a team, systems become extremely important. And that was like one of the biggest worries, which sounds like ridiculous now when I say it out loud. And I actually had a sort of six week just coffee with her, a little check in after she'd been with me for six weeks. And I said, How's it all going? And she said, Um, like I said, uh, you know, how's it been since coming from another agency? And she said, I'm so impressed with your systems. You are so organized. And that literally took me back. I had to like check myself and like, Chris, you are doing a good job. Stop. Um, second guessing yourself. Yes, there's so many things that I need to work on and improve on and I'm learning still. But I'm like, I think I often undervalue what I do and and, uh, estimate where I've got to. I'm here for a reason and I need to remember that. But that's just one little example, I think, of how, to put it specifically, I felt at that time. Yeah. and, And I think when you grow a team, I had two people come on board quite quickly. It's the stress of 
trying to onboard them, teach them your systems, teach them your ways. Um, so I had a senior and a junior and their skill levels are very different, obviously. So it's then trying to, you know, aid the junior in the way that she needs. Um, of course, and I, I didn't want her to feel overwhelmed when she came on board as well. So doing all that while also, you know, still running the business, still posting on social media, doing the marketing, doing the sales calls. And I just felt so overwhelmed and stressed. Yeah, well, it's interesting, right? So let's dig into a little bit further if you're happy to. Yeah. Because what I just heard there was that, like, ultimately, the thing that was stressing you out or causing you anxiety was the fear of not being good enough in that person's eyes, right? Mm -hmm. And so what's interesting is I would think naturally that somebody getting up on a stage in front of 700 people would be more worried about not being good enough for 700 people than like the person coming on on their team and the project manager, right? So what in your mind is different between those two things? Isn't that crazy when you think about it? You're so right. I potentially, it could be the fact that for me, although like, you know, at Adobe Max, I really feel like I'm becoming part of the family. I know lots of people um, through Adobe now and a lot of other creators and designers and agency owners. I do still feel like when I go up on stage at Adobe Max, I am talking to a bunch of strangers that I've never met. And I am quite comfortable talking to strangers. I can basically could probably go up to anyone and have a chat with them. But for someone who I care more about and I really value their opinion, and I see them every day. I think I, I'm definitely someone who cares more about that relationship and would worry more about what they think of me rather than what a stranger thinks of me. So maybe that's where that comes from. Not that I knew her that much at that time because she'd only just come on board, but I obviously really wanted her to enjoy her job, enjoy the space, enjoy coming into this new role and be excited by it. I, I, Oh, this is a whole other conversation that's probably quite interesting too. I feel like there's this with social media and having a following, you know, 200,000 people, there's this sort of aura around Pink Pony. You know, this is what all these amazing things Pink Pony does. And people ask me all the time, I really want to join your team. Oh my God, it looks amazing. It looks so fun. And then to be honest, I get another load of anxiety a little bit where people who come on board, I'm like, what if it's not what they think it's supposed to be on Instagram? Because it's not going to be. We literally sit on a computer every day. It's not going to be the most, yeah, I try and bring a good energy to the office and uh, like joy and we laugh and, and it's a good time. But at the end of the day, we are there to work and we're not going to be having lunch, laughing around and like walking, you know, through the streets and not working. But I get this worry that it's really not what people see on social media. And that's, I think, another element for someone coming on board who's new. I'm worried that they're going to be like, oh, this is not at all what I thought it was going to be because mm. of this like glorious thing that it looks on Instagram. Yeah. And this might be off the mark, but I'm just wondering if there's any element to this, which is about the fact that Instagram and giving a talk it's kind of quite easy to curate and hide what people see. Whereas when you let somebody into your business and see behind the scenes, there's basically like nowhere left to hide. It's like everything is just exposed. Definitely, definitely. And it's probably even, you know, coming back around to the processes. It was really actually my project management system. I just thought it was a mess when she came on board. And 
it wasn't. Um, I did tighten things up and I always do right before someone else comes on board. But yeah, I felt like it was going to, it was a mess. So for her to come and see that, I was like, oh, just, it doesn't feel right. She's going to judge me. And yeah, it's a, it's a roller coaster of emotions. But, you know, I then spent like a weekend because I wanted to, to get it right. I spent the whole weekend reevaluating all my systems. I changed it. Come morning, Monday morning, we spent, all of us spent like four hours in a meeting and I went over everything. And the amount of like weight that took off my shoulders was incredible. Like you just have to do something about it. You can't just wallow in it. So for me, it came down to the system. So I was like, I need to do something about this. I need to change them up. Spent the whole week in doing it and it felt so much better. Yeah, I love that. And I love the proactiveness. And I think that is often the difference between somebody who achieves what they set out to and somebody that doesn't. It's that, okay, now I've recognized this thing. What am I going to do about it? I'd love to just go a layer deeper though, if that's all right with you, because I think there's something mm. here for people to learn from. So go to that instance for a second if you would, Christy, where like you're sitting there, you're thinking like your notion is a mess. And what's the, sorry, what was the name of the team member? Her name's Ash. Ash. Okay. So you're sitting there, you're, you know that your notion's a mess. You're worried that Ash is going to see this kind of behind the scenes. Like if Ash had seen that and Ash had judged you, what were you afraid that she would think about you? I think that she would, if anything, I care about other people's enjoyment especially on my team, that was the worry that maybe she was going to come in and think it's I'm not up to a level that I should be because of things like my Instagram following. Mm. Again, it's that whole idea. It like, has this like I'm in a perfect world on social media and I was worried she was going to come in and, and be like, yeah, this is not what I thought it was going to be. You're not what I thought you were going to be like. The systems aren't in place and what I thought it was going to be like. And then that causes her not to enjoy what she does and will cause her because she actually shifted towns for the role. So for me, this was a big deal. And my worry was she going to come in and really just not enjoy it and just be like, oh, I think I've made a mistake. And mm. that would, for me, I understand that that could happen at some point. But for me, like I do really want people just to enjoy what they do. And I think that actually is a detriment sometimes because at the end of the day, we are here to work. We don't have to be having the best time of our lives every single day. <laughs> yeah. And also it's actually a projection from you. It's not that something she's mm. coming to say. Do you know what I mean? So it's like, it's not actually like she's coming being like, oh, Christy, you know, like I want to really make sure that this is the right move for me and blah, blah. Like it was her decision to come and do this. Right. Mm. And so I find this fascinating because Tony Robbins talks about this all the time. And he talks about this concept that like all emotional pain, whether it's anxiety, stress or frustration, whatever, all emotional pain is a result of too much focus on ourselves, right? And I think this is a great example. And this is not mm -hmm. to like put you down in any way. I think this is something that we all do as humans. Mm -hmm. And when I talk about courage, I think courage is often related to being vulnerable enough to let people know what you are thinking and what you are going through rather than trying to cover it up so that they don't see the cracks. Mm, I love that. Yeah. Well, to me, well, that's where powerful conversations come in, right? Because imagine 
maybe the time, the effort, and the energy that you could have saved if you went to her and said, hey, Ash, like I just want to, I'm really excited about you joining the team, but I just want to be transparent with you. I am really anxious. I'm really stressed because I know my systems are a mess and I'm worried that you're going to come in and you're going to think, oh my God, this is not what I thought it was going to be. And like, Christy hasn't got her shit together. And like, I don't know if I made the right move. Like they're all the thoughts that are going through my head. And you like put that on a plate to her. Like Mm. what kind of conversation or what kind of relationship might have come from that? Yeah. And then it could all be resolved in an instance, your anxiety, you know, the feeling that you've been having. You're right. Yeah. I know. I really like that. I'm going to take that on board literally from today. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That's like a beautiful thing. You know, this has happened a few times actually where there's been instances, I worked with a PR agent last year and she was incredible and got me some really cool opportunities. And I was interviewed by a website called stuff.co.nz. It's like one of the biggest news outlets in New Zealand. And I said how much I earned that year as a business. And it's not a crazy figure, but I was really happy with it. I never thought I'd even get there. And I said it and then later on I was like, oh my God, I shouldn't have said that. And then I actually tried to get her to take it out of the article and she pushed back and said, no, no, you said it really confidently. I'm going to leave it in. And I was like, okay, here we go. And I was so nervous about what my team would think of me. And I was nervous that they might turn around and be like, she's earning too little. She's earning too much. What, you know, I need to be on more all those thoughts in my head. And I actually, I did go and talk to them about it. And I said, look, guys, I just want you to know there's an article coming out um, and it's got how much we earned as a business. And I just want you to be aware if you've got any questions, if any thoughts or, or feedback, I would love to hear them. Nothing. They were fine. They read mm-hmm. it. Didn't even say, I don't even know if they read it, to be honest. <laughs> there was nothing that came out of that. And you just build yourself up to all these situations where if you just talk to people like you said and get it off the table, get their instant feedback rather than worrying about it. I feel like that's half of worry and anxiety is the thought of things, the thought of what that person's feeling, the thought of inaction. It's not actually the doing of any of this. 100%. And Chris mm. Doe does this so well. Like I was at his business boot camp or his, his one day thing in Portugal. And I was chatting to him before and I could see he was a little bit distracted. And I was like, oh, he's got lots of stuff on his mind. But he came up on stage and the first words that came out of his mouth were just to let everybody know, I've got a really dodgy stomach. I think I ate some dodgy food. So if I just like rush off to the toilet, uh, if I just rush off randomly, it's because like my stomach isn't good. So just wanted to let everybody know that. And I was just like, I love that. What? Like, what? And then yeah. he explained why he said that. And it's kind of this concept that we're talking about, right? Which is basically that we project our fears onto mm. other people and we project our concerns. And really, that is about us. And I know there's definitely a level of conscientiousness and consideration. And I'm sure you very much do care about Ash and her feelings and what, Mm. like, I know you do care about that, but I think if we went a layer deeper, the core of it is still about what she would think of you. Mm -hmm. No, I agree. And the reason that's important, I think as like creative leaders is because if we become aware of that, then we're like, hold on a minute, what am I actually worried about in this scenario? Mm. And how can I like bring that into the conversations that I'm having with my team, the conversations I'm having with clients, right? Or potential mm-hmm. clients, mm. because I think often, and like, you can tell me, I'll, I'll, I'll pass the baton back to you in a minute, but you can tell me like, have you had instances where maybe you've been worried about something like the way that the client is going to react or the w- way the client thinks about the work and you've maybe spent a long time in your head or even with your team worrying about it and thinking about it. And then you get to the conversation and actually it's not 
as big a deal as you thought? Oh, for sure. All the time. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, definitely. There's a very minute, silly example, actually, and this was all my fault. During Christmas, well, over the Christmas break, we in New Zealand have our summer break, so we have two weeks off. And I let it slip in my brain that Americans don't. And we have uh, quite a few American clients, and I left it far too late to tell them that we were having a two-week break. And of course, there were clients that were not happy about this. And sending that email, because I made this mistake, I was putting it off. I was literally making it worse because I was putting it off, making that time even more condensed. And I did it. They were not happy. But I was like, I want to make this right. Do a few things additional for you guys. You know, I'm going to make this really right for you. And they, in the end, it's all fine. And they are actually so happy with everything now, but they weren't happy in the first place. But I made it all worse by waiting to even say anything. So yeah, another good example of just like being open and honest and transparent and just doing it and you'll get half of that worry out of your body. Yeah, 100%. I love that. I want to come back to something you said earlier. I didn't go down this route too much because I think I enjoyed where the conversation went. But when I asked you earlier how much of that confidence and that ability to just go out there and do stuff relates to the success of your business you said loads Mm. right so Mm -hmm. what advice would you have for the people out there who have got a successful design agency but are really maybe struggling to do things like public speaking putting content out on social media kind of basically just putting themselves out there a little bit more have you got kind of any advice for those people my gut wants to say, just do it, but I, that's that's just too fluffy. That's not helpful. I would say, I think starting small is a really easy way into it. And you have to think of your confidence as a muscle. And I think that's really important. The more you stretch it, the better it's going to get, the more it's going to grow. As simple as everyone says, you've got to get on your stories and talk on your stories. And Initially, that's a really scary thing. I have a friend who's just basically kind of starting her business and I was talking to her about social media and she's like, I know I need to get on there, but to be honest, I'm too nervous, I'm too scared. And I sort of explained it. What if I told you that the that social media, your phone, is basically a door, it could be a door to the biggest opportunities in your life. Are you still going to tell me you're not going to take that? And it's massive. And, it, you know, again, it comes down to we're too worried about what we're thinking of what we're worried about what others think of us. So I think starting small is the best way to go and just taking little steps. And then once you've taken that step and you're like, yeah, that was all right. Take the next little step. And and don't also compare your journey to someone else's, whatever it might be, whether it's growing a team, whether it's public speaking, whether it's growing a social media audience, you know, working with big clients, because everyone else's journey is so different. And I think another layer to this is the comparison, because when we start to compare ourselves, that also puts a block in front of us. And that's like a block saying, oh, no, I shouldn't do that because I'm not as good as them. But there's that quote, and I'm going to get this wrong, but it's something like there's already someone out there doing more than you are that's worse at your role than you are. That was not the quote, but something along those lines. (laughs) That was an Einstein quote, I think, wasn't it? Yeah, (laughs) it's a good one. It's a good one. No, but I understand the point. And I think you demonstrated that, right? Because as far as I know, you started growing your Instagram following by doing a 100-day design challenge. 
Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's the one step at a time. It's the slow, it's the ease into it. Also putting like a measurement to it in a way where you can track it. You know, the 100-day design challenge, I had to get a post out every day. So if you do something similar where you kind of say to yourself, keep yourself accountable, I'm going to do one of these a day or one of these every two weeks. Even if you were doing a speaking gig, you could start off by doing it in front of your partner and then start off by go- the next step, do it in front of your f- your family, then the next, a couple of friends. And just take, and trust me, that's way harder than speaking in front of 700 people. <laughs> you know, well, taking those little easy steps. It is, it is for you, steps. Christy, because you care more <laughs> about their opinion than the 700 people. I do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the little steps, I think. You know, I, I actually can't pinpoint another way of doing it. It's a matter of just facing your fear, going for it, doing one little bit at a time and hopefully building up that courage like it's a muscle. Yeah, absolutely. And that was a nice little segue into the topic of the podcast of courage. You talk about this kind of like little steps and and doing these things. What are some things in your journey, whether it was prior to starting the agency or starting the agency, which were examples of these kind of acts of courage or these decisions of courage? Mm. So many. The big ones that stand out to me is obviously hiring someone for the first time. Big, big act of courage as I've I've never hired anyone. I've never led a team. So that was huge for me. And I started out small. I trickled in the idea of a, you know, an employee by firstly, when I realized that I needed someone else to help me, I put an ad out and I said, Hey, look, I just want a contractor for five hours a week. You can work remote. This is when I was working at home too secured that. Then I realized she was really busy. So I was like, I think I need to hire someone. And I actually went and talked to my dad about it. He's basically my business mentor and he's done a lot in his life with business. And he said, look, you don't have to go out there and say, I want to employ someone for 40 hours a week. You could make it what you want. And you could go out there and say, look, I want to start out by hiring someone for 30 hours a week contracting and with the hope it's going to become a full-time role. And if they know that, if they've got that idea in mind that it's not it's going to progressively become 40 hours, but it could might not be yet. They understand that. They're signing up for that. And I had so many applicants. I was like, oh, no one's going to want to sign up for that. So many applicants secured the role. But again, it was that I'm easing into it. I'm not just going straight for the end goal of let's hire someone full time. And then in two weeks in, she was working full time for me. Um, and then she progressively just became an employee for Pink Pony. And I did the same again for my second employee. And then then I had built my courage and my confidence. So then by the time my third employee came up, I was ready to hire someone full time as an employee straight off the bat. I wasn't worried about it. But yeah, it's, it's that taking those little steps. But that is a big one. Another yeah. really big one for me recently, it happened last year, was um, the decision to get my own space, to sign an agreement for a lease, rent a space. I've signed the agreement for two years and that was scary because it's the upfront, well, the cost that it could be, you know, what if I can't pay this? But you just tackle it, do one step at a time. And it, you look back and I'm like, that was a bit of a blur, but I now I can't even imagine my space without it. And it's often come my, through my mind. I'm like, maybe it's not big enough. <laughs> yeah. You know, and I'm just taking those little steps. I love that strategy because it's so simple and I think everybody can mm. apply it. Is there any, just before I come on to my next question, is there any way that you do that consciously or unconsciously where you're able to take like a big thing that you want and then find the small next step? How do you approach that? I think I do it subconsciously in a way. 
And I can't even point out why I would do that subconsciously. I think as well, something I've learned from my dad, especially in the employing that first person, is that business, although there are some rules, I'm sure, <laughs> when it comes down to it, you know, but he said it's so fluid. Don't think that, you know, even with the agreement for the office, the first price in the, the three years they initially wanted, I was like, oh, they want three years, that's it. And dad's like, no, you can negotiate everything. Uh, You can, you know, negotiate everything in business. This is what business is all about. If they don't want to negotiate, they're not in business either. So, you know, his, I think my dad has been a really big part of my growth and my husband actually does, is managing a really big team. So although you're taking those small steps, you also have the support around you from other people and your mentors. And for me, my mentors are my dad and my husband uh, because they have the experience and they're you know, years ahead of where I would like to be, but I really look at their, what they've done with their life and really value what they've done. And they know that their advice is just advice at the end of the day. I I will do what I want. (laughs) And I've definitely done that in the past. I'm like, I'm just going to do this because actually I think this is the right decision. But that's another one actually talking about it is the support crew is huge and those mentors and the people around you. It doesn't need to be someone in the industry. It doesn't need to be, it could be for sure. But I think we, especially in university days, people are like, you need a mentor and they need to be in the same industry. Technically they don't. They, if they've just got to guide you in the right direction to hopefully give you the confidence, give you more confidence to get to where you want to be. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I agree actually with that. So let's actually just use that example because I think I love both sides. When I listen to a podcast, I love the kind of philosophical, psychological things that make me think, but I also love the practical, tactical and tangible stuff. And I think the combination of those two things is really powerful. So let's just take the example of the office because there are a few things that you said there, but let's say I'm, you know, I'm a a freelancer who's got like a solid decade of experience under my belt. I know I'm really good at what I do. Maybe I use some other freelancers, but I'm kind of, I want to take that leap to actually start my agency. And let's just take the example of getting a space so that we can use something tangible. Mm. So let's imagine like I go to look for a space. I see one that I love, but it feels like a bit of a stretch for my budget. I'm worried about, well, I don't know where the next client's going to come from. All of those things that you said, how would I take something big like that and then try and break it down into like a smaller step that I could kind of use to exercise this strategy? As soon as you started speaking, I realized I did the step-by-step with the office as well. And now I realize what it is. Yeah. Yeah, that is my strategy. And it comes down to, I was working at home. I'd been there for a year and a half. Um, You know, for this person, maybe they've done the same in this example. And then I thought, you know, I'd hire someone. Oh, oh, I need a space. But yeah, for me as well, that was like ridiculous. I was like, I don't can't have a lease. You know, I'm small. I don't know what I'm doing. So I went out to find a shared space. You just take those little next steps, and I just went out to a shared, a local shared space, and you know, secured that spot. I actually didn't even sign a contract because it was a bit loosey-goosey back then. <laughs> I just had the space and then brought my team in there. And it's interesting because every little part of your journey, even though you feel think maybe this is small, it is so much bigger than you probably imagine. Going into Coast Lab, which was the shared office space that I have, shout out to them, the most incredible space. 
that was such a big building block in my business. And I honestly don't think I would be where I am without that. I built so many amazing friends, friends for life. I also built a network for more business and another support network for Pink Pony. It was like I was going in there with all of my best friends every day. It was the best time. So it's the building block stepping stones. I was there for about a year and a half. And then I felt like I had two people full-time in there. So it was me and two others. I was like, I think this could be the time. This is actually holding me back. This is the time when I can take that next step and get an office and just go that that next step further. So probably with everything I've done, I haven't realized how much of those little steps I've taken. So there I you go. That. Take yeah, little I steps. Yeah, I love that. Because... <laughs> I love that for a few reasons. Number one, I think so many people right now are stuck because they're in an all or nothing mindset, whether it's with content, whether it's with raising their prices, whether it's with hiring a team member, it's all of those things. They're like, oh, I can't put content out there because I, you know, it's not perfect or I haven't got this or I haven't got that, or I can't hire a team member because like, where am I going to get this person full time? And I've never hired, and they've got a story about why they can't do it. And so I love this strategy because it's just so simple. It's like, you don't need to do the full thing right now. You just literally need to find the next step. And I Mm. think if you can kind of like prime your brain for finding those steps, it's actually a really powerful strategy because it's kind of a lot of what we do in coaching. We take like a big goal and we break it down Mm. into smaller steps and we give people a, here we go. Here's like the next thing that you need to do this week. Here's the thing that you need to do after that. Here's the thing you need to do after that. And before long, people are like, oh, I'm already here. And they are much further than they would be would have been if they had done nothing for six months, basically. So mm-hmm. yeah, I really like that strategy. And I think it's something that people can take and actually apply to basically all elements of their their life and business. So yeah, I love that. And I feel like with business, one of the hardest things is pricing. And you can use the strategy with pricing too, just one step at a time, increase your prices. And with social media, with even pressure from people externally, I get told, I've been told plenty of times that I don't charge enough. But for me, I was like, I just don't feel confident in this right now. I I don't want to, I need to take those little steps to build up my courage and my confidence. And I have done that and I'm, I'm charging more now. <laughs> but, you know, initially it was, yeah, it was really scary. My dad, as soon as I started my business, I was like, what do I charge? And he said, you can charge a hundred dollars an hour, Christy. And I was like, there's no way in hell. I do not feel like I'm confident in selling myself at $100 an hour. So I started small. I think I started at $40 an hour from 100 to 40. This is New Zealand dollars. And then, yeah, progressively just made my way up, you know, and I've progressively just been increasing them every time. And with the pressure of social media, you see everybody talking about this 10K clients, 20K clients, but you can't feel pressured by them because at the end of the day, if you can't sell yourself confidently at that rate. Why would anyone else buy your service? You've got to be able to do it confidently. 100%. Couldn't agree more. Just to play devil's advocate for a second, do you think there are any times in business when you need to take the full leap and you need to just kind of go for the thing without seeing the full staircase? Ooh, probably. I'm trying to think of an, an example. You know, I would say one of the hardest things is starting. And for a lot of people, the way that they start, they have, they, but I think then again, it's they're building up. You know, my advice for someone to start a freelance business, I'd say work on the weekends, work after work, you're building up. So I do think. 
But maybe maybe for me, the example of where I just took a leap was Adobe Max. I'd never mm. done public speaking. I literally, the only time I'd spoken publicly was at my wedding. You know, like that was it. You know, at school did speeches, but I sucked. I got so embarrassed. I was quite a quiet kid, so it literally terrified me to go up there and speak, which sounds wild now. But maybe Adobe Max was it. I just had to take the bullet because I was like, how can I miss this opportunity? Why would I say no to this? This could change my life. And it's just, it's the idea of the door. It's like the social media thing. It's that door to what could be even more opportunities. Yeah. So it sounds like the time is when the potential upside is far greater than the downside. And I think Mm -hmm. based on where we started this conversation, it sounds like the downside for you was minimized by the story that you had around speaking anyway and what other people thought. Mm. I'm wondering if you would have taken that leap if it was like potential upside, but it was a like much smaller kind of more intimate group of people that knew you. Would that potentially Mm -hmm. maybe have scared you more than if it was like 200 people that you didn't know? so you when I when you put it like that probably not I would probably have still done it anyway but I as simple as it is I'm like we've got one life people if you've given these opportunities why would you turn them down or I mean it's challenging too because I know that not everyone gets given the opportunity sometimes you have to go out and find it but there's a quote that I love and it's opportunity dances with those on the dance floor I'm like Mm. you've got to get out there you've got to be doing it to have those opportunities and it's kind of going down a whole other topic but no I love that I love that route though and I love that idea and just out of interest what did you think or what were you confident that that Adobe Max was going to give you like what was the opportunity that you saw on the table that made you take that leap I thought that it would broaden my horizons with people you know, meeting these incredible people. I'm from New Zealand. I'd never been to Adobe Max, but for me, it was like this big thing. Amazing. Everyone in the industry goes. And so I knew that if I went, I could have the opportunity to meet awesome people. And it was that. I also thought part of me was like, maybe I'll get really amazing clients. That is not the case at Adobe Max. These are designers you're talking to, maybe in a funny way, like, you know, but I... I see, I saw the opportunity because of the people there, I think. And also because of the, not the label, that's the wrong word. But if I went, you know, then I'd come back and say, I spoke at Adobe Max. And that is quite an impressive thing, you know, even for people here in New Zealand. Oh my God, Adobe Max is wild. So having that recognition, that's what that is about. Yeah. But then the first year, I actually, I'd met a few people, but I also, the second year I met loads more people because I just had personally connected with people through social media more. So it was people like Chris that I had sat down with before the keynote. I'd never even messaged him or anything, but I knew how I was really, like I just value him so much. Not going to lie, I probably seemed very casual, but then afterwards I was like, oh my God, I can't believe I just sat next to Chris. (laughs) (laughs) Um, (laughs) You know, little things like that, just those are the reasons why I wanted to do it for sure. I love that. And so just to wrap up, because I think a question that would be on my mind if I was listening to this was, how did you get that opportunity? Oh, Adobe Max? <laughs> Honestly, I have no idea. <laughs> okay, like, awesome. Let's wrap I, the podcast I, there. <laughs> yeah, when I put it like that, I got uh, I get asked a lot, how did I get the opportunity? Because people want to do it. Of course they do. But I just got an email and it was like, it was so 
chill and it was like it didn't even have an email signature and it was like hey Christy would you be interested in coming to LA and doing speaking to Adobe Max and I was like this has to be spam this isn't real it literally just signed off the person's name it wasn't even like Adobe it just said yeah and then the next email was like yeah you just have to send us a check for five thousand dollars to this <laughs> yeah, account yeah. that's what I thought and then I was like I literally honestly didn't believe it for so long I was like this could be a scam but when I think about it I was approached, which I don't know how often that happens, but I had been working with Adobe on other collabs, done a few collabs with them. I'd done a few Adobe Lives. So I'd progressively built my connection with them. And I think they obviously like what they saw. I, I do part of me somewhat think that me being in New Zealand and having an audience for design helps. There's not a whole lot of content creators in New Zealand, I guess, for design. So they maybe thought she can represent New Zealand in a a way as well. And she's a female. I think there's a lot of male industry leaders. So there's a few little parts that I think have probably helped. Yeah. Well, what I thought was interesting was that you go like, oh, when I think about it, actually, I was doing a bunch of stuff with them before. Like it didn't (laughs) didn't just come out of the blue. And it's like, oh yeah, we've got our strategy again, right? We've got our (laughs) step-by-step strategy. So I think the biggest takeaway from this podcast is that, and it might sound oversimplified, but I think Mm -hmm. it's probably one of the most underrated strategies there are because you can literally apply it to everything. And once you get good at it, like you clearly have, you are doing it automatically all the time. Your brain is just going, what is the next little thing that I can do to move me closer to this thing that I want? And maybe you didn't realize at the Mm. time that you wanted it, but maybe you did want the thing that was the reason you did those collabs in the first place, right? And then it kind of progresses from there. So I love that as a message because it's so simple. And I also love it as a strategy because it's so practical. Yeah, and I like that. I think you underestimate what you can do. And often we look at that like end goal and it's so big and it feels so overwhelming. But when you break it down, you just think about the the step in front of you. It doesn't seem so scary. Mm. 100%. Love it. Christy, I think that's a great place to wrap the podcast. Is there anything else that you want to say before we wrap up or anything else that you want to want to share? To be honest, I actually thinking about all my podcasts now, I often end with this quote because people often ask, what's your favorite quote? You know, what what would you want to leave someone? And it's a quote that actually helps me get over my, if I'm having anxiety about something or if I'm worried about the next step and it's, you're far too smart to be the only thing standing in your own way. Mm, there you go. I love that. Say that one more time. You're far too smart to be the only thing standing in your own way, which is true. So true for many people. It's the only thing. That's awesome. And what do you make that mean? Like, how do you interpret that quote? Because I often have imposter syndrome and, you know, mm. I have I have everything that I've ever dreamt of and more, but I'm like, you know, even the next steps of, you know, getting bigger clients, it's all in my mind. I can't do this. I can't do this. Why can't you do it? Like what's really stopping you and it's literally me it's myself it's my mental thoughts being like you can't do this you know demising everything I do love that amazing thank you so much where can people connect with you or find more about you if they want to definitely love Instagram I'm Christy the pink pony I'm not pink pony creative anymore that's my agency account so definitely there but then also on TikTok I am pink pony creative and it's my goal this year to get more into LinkedIn that's a big one Love it. Amazing. Thank you so much for being a guest. It's been a real pleasure to have a conversation with you. Oh, no, thank you so much, Matt. I've honestly loved this conversation. It's a great way to start your Thursday morning. (laughs) (laughs) Amazing. Thank you. Before you leave, if you found this episode valuable, please hit the subscribe button. Also, if you are a creative 
business owner doing more than 10K a month and you want to grow and scale without working longer hours or hiring a massive team, then I have something you may be interested in. We have just developed a tool that will give you a custom growth strategy based on exactly where you are in your business right now. So you can stop consuming lots of random content and trying to figure things out on your own and actually get something personalized to you. You will also receive a free copy of my book and it will point out relevant chapters. If you'd like to take the scorecard, it's totally free. You just have to click the link in the show notes or connect with me on LinkedIn and you will see a link in my bio. Thanks for listening. This is the Creative Courage Podcast.